0: people out there and welcome to the amazing action comics podcast where we are all about independent comics i'm one of your hosts angel with john pepe
1: how's it going angel
0: it is going bro it is
1: going how are you i'm good i'm on a weird little delay here i don't know if you're seeing that i'm kind of like
0: it is like you're in the matrix there's a glitch yeah yeah
1: it's weird I don't know. Bear it's with your
0: it. wi-fi is there is there a garbage truck passing by
1: No, 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 no. No no, (laughs) truck
0: accidents this time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all right, cool. So, yeah, uh, guys, welcome to another episode of the Amazing Action Comics Podcast. Uh, This is the Indie Comic Review. This is where John and I take some books off the shelf, give our two cents and recommendations for whatever books we read this week. But before we get there, we've got some news for the week. John doesn't have any, but I do. So first things first. Yeah! yeah. yeah Happy birthday!
1: <laughs> 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 For those of you guys who don't know, <laughs> wow, that audience is fantastic! Wow, wow, that audience, you guys, you
0: guys <laughs> are great. Thank you. <laughs> For those of you guys that don't know, uh, John is uh Benjamin Button, so he actually turned <laughs> two today.
1: <laughs> uh, that was uh, so actually, it's really funny because uh, today is my I, today, uh, February 1st, yep. is actually my brother's birth, my other brother, not what do we call Frank, the one right. who was complaining about calling me Phil. Yes. Uh, my other brother, whose real name is David. Uh, turned sixty today. We'll oh, call sh- him. Um, we'll, we'll call him Fred today. Fred. Okay. Uh, my other brother, we call Frank, is actually Jim. So my, my brother David's <laughs> birthday is today. Uh, my birthday was January thirtieth. Uh, so uh, thank you for that. That that was very nice. It was lovely. Uh, yeah, I got was- I, I got some good comic cred on my birthday too because I got uh, Christian Bale, uh, and uh, Gene Hackman. Right, he played Lex Luthor. Christian Bale yes. played Batman. I have, uh, and then of course, uh, from what I've heard, uh, one of the people who uh, their books I'm reviewing, their birthday is also the same day as mine. Uh, oh, there you yeah, go. So we'll get Wait, to Wait, is, is G is Gene Hackman still alive? Gene Hackman is still alive. He is retired from acting, but he okay. is still very much alive at this point. Oh,
0: I loved the man. He's good.
1: He's uh, he. Being he, my friend always used to say, uh, he makes any movie just that much better by being in it.
0: Yeah, he was some
1: really good movies.
0: Far the best, Lex.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, a little goofy, but there was a little bit of that menace. I kind of yeah. like.
0: I liked yeah, it. Yeah. I liked it. But you could see it like coming out sometimes yeah. too, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, like he didn't care at all. Uh, my my, fa-
1: my favorite bit of his though is in the first Superman movie. He's in his underground lair. Superman, you know, finds it. And he pushes that big hydraulic door in or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Enter Lex's lair, and Hack was just sitting behind the desk, and he goes, "It's open. Come in."
0: <laughs> yeah, it was sarcasm. And shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, just you know why? Because he just knew he had an ace up his sleeve all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it came to Matt, so yeah. All right. Well, happy birthday, bro. Well, thank you very much,
1: done. man. Yeah, f- uh, forty nine. Forty-nine. Bro,
0: yeah, we're yep. getting up there. All right. In other now, I'm, news,
1: go, I'm well, gonna get my hair cut after this. I'm gonna my, my false sense of youth is uh, is gonna go away. I'm gonna cut oh, my hair dude, we're gonna yeah. see what's
0: looking Well, like. at least it's not turning gray yet. So uh there's there's a knife. I take a sharp <laughs> video. All <laughs> right. Uh another news, guys. We yeah! did go live today. Yes. So uh yeah, Justin uh Bart's the creator. Uh, and writer of uh, Project Shatterbreed um, and uh, the other half of Amazing Action Comics. Uh Really excited to get the second volume off and running. Uh, the first volume consisted of five issues, which we've had for, done for quite some time. And then now we're into the second volume, which is continuing, obviously, up the first one. Um, and we're already up to the third issue um of the second volume so we're really excited so we're kicking off the issue number one uh, for those of you guys that um, haven't had an opportunity to read project shadow breed um within this crowdfunding campaign there's um, options to catch up so we do have a trade of the first volume um that will be included with the uh first issue of the second volume um, and if you don't want to you actually don't need to it's a great jumping on point we have a really great summary at the very beginning um of this issue um this one's quite special because we're doing something for the launch that we're not doing for uh, the direct market so we're doing like a super size. it has like the script in it sketches and some really cool fun stuff um that we're doing just for this crowdfunding campaign um and for those of you guys that don't know what project shadow uh, well, how can I explain in a nutshell? It's uh, pretty much these two guys that you see here on the screen. You got on the right-hand side is uh, Leroy, and then the guy in the mask is uh, Merrick. And basically, you have two soldiers um, that were part of sort of like this experiment where the Army uh, had a contract with uh, a company called Syntec to develop, uh, you know, the next super soldiers. Um, Syntech got their hands on some kind of special formula. Uh, We don't know where they got it from yet, but it allowed them to create these uh, half-breeds of, of, you know, soldiers that would turn into werewolves on command, do their missions, and then revert back. Uh, And basically you have Marek was part of uh, the group, um, considered an alpha male, along with another alpha male, just had it out. Leroy was sort of like their troop leader. He didn't turn into a werewolf uh, or so. He just kind of like ran the missions um, and took care of those guys. Um, And so basically what we find out in this first volume is uh, these two alpha males, Merrick including one, and you find out who the other guy is later on in subsequent issues, um, just at each other's throat. Basically, they couldn't have two alpha males or two alphas, uh, so they needed to take one out, and Merrick uh, drew the short straw. Um, And basically, they went to um, kill him, um, and uh, Merrick kind of uh, intervened. Um, in this first uh, volume. And basically, you have Merrick stuck in half werewolf form um, because they almost did succeed in killing him, um, but they escaped, so Marek took him. Um, they landed somewhere in Seattle, and from there they decided to, you know, use sort of like Marek's uh, superpowers for good and just start becoming these uh, street vigilantes. Um, and while doing this, they actually started to intertwine um, with SynTech again, who's been chasing them down. So they end up fighting crime on the streets, take this guy in, ends up being the son of a major crime boss um, in Seattle, and then the whole story ensues from there, and we kind of see how fate is just twisted, and kind of just gets them all intertwined with Syntec, uh, this mafia boss, the CIA, everybody's included. So it's pretty cool that it's involved, um, but it, it's reminiscent of, like, uh uh, a 90s comics, mm-hmm. which weren't really heavy into like, uh, you know, um, too much uh, detail or, or, or I don't want to say savviness, but just really straightforward. Like, you know who the bad guy is, you know who the good guys are, and you're along for the ride. And the second volume is really fun because we start to include new characters. So uh, three mercenaries that are pretty much hired to take these guys out. Um, and it just takes off from there. And then later on, you're going to see even more werewolves, um, coming out of, you know, the woodworks, including the, uh, the other alpha male that really has, uh, an itching and a scratching for, for Merrick because of what he's done to him. So yeah, it's it's some really fun stuff. You guys love it. Um, think like if if Punisher was a werewolf, um, and and, and that's what you have. So yeah, that's out today. You can check it out. Just go to amazingactioncomics.com. Get Some details on there, and it'll shoot you over to the crowdfunding side. We love for you to get get this into your hands, so yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Woo-hoo! You, you, um, you
1: nailed it because when you had me review that, um, I really enjoyed it. And it was, you know, I had read the first Project Shadow Breed miniseries, but sometimes if I pick up a number one of a volume two, I try to like close that part of my brain off and approach it as if I had not read it before. And so, uh, you, you know, you, you could jump right into this one if you didn't read the first uh miniseries, uh, and really just have a good time with it. Uh, It does harken back to like those old, you know, true indie black and white mm-hmm. comics from the 80s and 90s, especially when guys who, you know, they didn't really know how many issues they were going to get to do, so they weren't heavy on subplots and seeding things for the future. Mm-hmm. It's just dive right into the action, tell that story. Uh, you got two great main characters, Leroy and Merrick's interplay is so much fun, uh, So and and you know, the writing and the art is solid on this. Uh, I think it's also got some other good reviews, I think, that we had talked about, too. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, folks, you should jump on this. This is really good. It's really fun, uh, and these guys worked really hard on it. And uh, I see the effort that goes into it um, on all points with you guys uh, uh, putting this together. And um, yeah, this is a really fun comic, and I actually am looking forward to reading the rest of this volume. So
0: yeah, it's cool. I can't wait. And then Randy Myers, you know, art on it is just like his line work is just really clean and sharp. And you know, it's 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 funny because some people don't like reading black and white, but if you do it really well. It just translates, and I think for what you know, Justin's writing, um, and what we're doing as far as the genre, it just works really, really well. So, yeah, check it out. Just uh, if you want to remember, just go over to amazingactioncommons.com. It did launch today, it's going to be on there for the next uh 27 days. Actually, you know what? We got 29 days this year. Oh, right, It's you get an extra, week, yeah, so you get an extra day off of that. Uh, yeah, check it out. There's some great rewards on there. We got some dog tags. We got some art, shirts, hats, all that good stuff. But the most important thing is being able to get this book into your hands, which should be really cool. Um, all right. So what do we got for you? Oh, I'm reading comments. <laughs> uh, black and white comic art tends to be more detailed than their color counterparts. That this is, is from good... BMD Nerd.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's a yeah. Good point. I was actually going to bring that up um, with one of the books I was going to review. Uh, yeah, there's, there's sometimes, um, you know, colors can either make or break a comic. Sometimes mm-hmm. and there are sometimes where colors uh, I feel can take away from from the the detail in the artwork. Um, that's why I was liked a bunch of years ago when DC and Marvel had their uh, Showcase and Essentials, mm-hmm. uh, black and white re- yep, yep. reprints, because you could really see the strength in the line work, especially like Kirby. Like Kirby was an ar- artist who didn't need a colorist, uh, but there are some other, you know, okay, we can see how the, the the color would enhance that. Um, and yeah, I always do like a good black and white comic. I do sometimes feel like color you know, uh, can can dull some of the details of the art. So that's a good-
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and on the other side of it, too, is if it's too detailed, then that's sometimes where the color separation does kind of help. So just having that fine balance of just the right amount of detail where they can see everything and not have to interpret anything too much, especially when you have to go into your thinking brain when you're reading something and then you have to go into your thinking brain to kind of Mm -hmm. figure things out. It could be quite frustrating. But yeah, you're you're not going to have that problem here. Trust me. Um, They worked at it really, really for a long time. So we're, we're good to go there um cool all right yeah so we had uh our our news there for the week um let's jump into it we've got three books for you this week that we reviewed uh john has two of them so i'm gonna let him start with the first one and then i'll kind of like hop in there as the middle part of the sandwich
1: All right. Very good. Uh, So I am going to start with uh, the book that, so that two books this week that uh, I reviewed one uh, I've talked about before because I was uh, looking forward to this ever since I saw the announcement at Comic-Con. So I'm going to save that one for last because there's a, Quite a bit I kind of want to say about that. But uh, the other one um, I picked up is a new one from Oni Press, which is great because, you know, Oni used to be 20 years ago, one of the biggest indie companies. And now it's uh, very sporadic, I feel, with Oni. Uh, So every time you get something from them, it's usually a nice little treat. Uh, The last one was my book of the year last year was Dwelling. So that was also an Oni Press release. Mm, mm. Uh, So this is Jill and the Killers. And it is written by Olivia Cortero Briggs, illustrated by Roberta Ingranata, colored by Warnia K. Shadawa with Rebecca Nalty, lettered by Haley Rose Lyon. And it is edited by Jasmine Amiri, Desiree Rodriguez, and Megan Brown, and assistant edited by Jung-Hoo Lee. Jeez. So that yeah, I know you have three editors and one assistant. So um, it's just funny. I just see three three editors just telling this one assistant what to do. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so this was actually a really nice surprise. I wasn't sure what to make of this when I was uh, when I started it and, and when I picked it up and i just kind of really fell into this uh so basically we have this girl jill her mother uh, she lives in this town in arizona called seligman arizona her mother was part of the police department and her mother is uh, about a year or so prior to the comic starting her mother uh everybody says her mother has has disappeared and uh, she's considered a missing person, but Jill is convinced that her mother is dead. And based mm. on sort of this uh, this nightmare flashback that sort of opens up the book, uh, you get a sense that okay, maybe Jill was actually there for this incident and and might know a little bit more than uh, or uh, than what than what everybody else knows, but they're just ignoring her for some reason. So that's mystery. Number one in this book, what happened to Jill's mom? Uh, so basically for the, for about a year, Jill has just shut herself off from her friends. She hasn't gone to school. Uh, her father is sort of keeping her protected because of what happened. And Jill finally says, look, I gotta, I want to get back into my life. I want to go back to school. I want to see my friends. Uh, and so she, it's like right after Thanksgiving break. So she goes back for, you know, to finish her senior year, uh, in high school. And in that time, all of her friends have sort of moved on. A new girl has moved into town and has now sort of become the center of their little group of friends. Um, And I found this, this is a really cool scene because... With, with 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 things that things happen so fast now right culture slang things like mm-hmm, that they, mm-hmm. they just crop up so fast so you have this group of high school kids this one girl hasn't been around for a year and there's this scene where she's like walking through the halls and she's hearing everybody's conversations and all this new slang that they're using and all these new things that they're talking about and she's like she feels like an alien she doesn't get what they're saying I was like oh that's really cool because that's how I feel as an old man like <laughs> so I was like oh that's really neat to show a teenager. Major, feeling like wow, things move too fast, right? Mm. You know. So I thought that was a really neat thing. And basically she, as she's reconnecting with her friends, they're like, you know, Oh, what, 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 uh, murder mystery, uh, true life crime podcasts and shows are you listening to what murder mystery game is she playing? Are you playing? And she's like, I'm not doing any of this stuff. Hmm. And so, uh, so, so, she, so they're like, Oh, this is what we, what we're doing now. And so she's like, okay, great. Uh, and they find this like, Monthly subscription box for a, a murder mystery, interactive murder mystery that they say caters. Uh, they, they they tailor it specifically to you, your interests, your location. And so Jill is basically like to get it back in with her friend, She's like, "I'll do it. I'll do this very expensive monthly two hundred dollar mystery box just to be in with my friends again, uh, and get back together with my ex girlfriend, who is obviously uh, really interested in this new girl." So, uh, so, so she does it, and literally, like, like that day, she gets a package uh, with all of these clues. Right? So they think this is the game, mm. and leads them to this junkyard and there's a really cool scene you know where they're sleuthing around a junkyard and then the dogs attack and jill finds what she thinks is a fake foot and so they're going through so they they get out of that situation and they're going through all the evidence and stuff um and then they get the actual box that she ordered Mm -hmm. so it turns out the first box that was sent to her was separate from this thing that she ordered. It wasn't the actual legit mystery box. Right. And then she finds that she realizes there's a clue in there that this box is meant for her mom, and that this the, this first box she got de- has two missing persons cases of high school age boys five years apart, hmm. at, to the day. And that fake foot that she thought that was a clue planted by the mystery box people that she found in the refrigerator in the junkyard was a real foot.
0: And Jesus that revelation
1: Christ. scene is great because she's holding it. She th- it's, it's very much like <laughs> Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder with yep, Steve yep, yep, ben, yep, right? Yep. And then she realizes it. And it's just a splash page of her passed out with the foot next to her. Like it was really well done. I thought that bit was great. And so, so basically this, this whole mystery starts to really deepen. And in her group of friends, there's one guy. And it is five years to the day from the last abduction. Mm. And that's sort of the cliffhanger that you're, resu- you're left with in this uh, this first issue. So this was really cool, uh, really fun. Um, it reminds me of shows like uh, Veronica Mars, right, which I've never seen, but I think it's like this. Or or Buffy <laughs> without the vampire stuff. Like,
0: yeah. like just Scream. a
1: group. Scream, right? Yeah. Group of high school kids, you know, trying to be high school kids, but also wind up solving a murder. Uh, The art is really nice. It's clean. Everything is there. It's it's the kind of artwork where you kind of breeze through and you're reading and then a detail comes up later and you go back and you're like, wow, that detail Mm. was in the art the whole time, including something I didn't see initially that was just right there in plain sight. So I thought that lends itself to this mystery aspect there's like clues throughout this issue as well as, and, and, and again, not just by the title, but because Jill and the killers plural. So it's almost like everybody's a suspect, Mm. uh, in this scenario. So I thought it was really cool. I, I just, I was really engaged by it. Um, you know, again, I like something that's not necessarily supernatural themed or or post-apocalyptic dystopian future. I always feel that's a breath of fresh air. Uh, this fell right in line with that. Um, I did feel a little old reading some of the slang, so I think that was good. I think that was intentional, and it really, uh, I thought it conveyed that really well. So yeah, uh, you know, and it's a double-sized and deadly thriller, as it says in the copy. So you get a lot yeah. of comic here. It is six ninety-nine, but you get some really nice, heavy pages, a really solid cardstock cover. Uh, so I thought this was very much worth it. Uh, I don't know if every issue is going to be double-sized, like kind of how Dwellings was, mm. but I am, I am in for the ride. Here. Uh, this was really, really cool. Uh, great art, great story. You know, r- colors really work well in this. Uh, there's a great scene where they're getting this refrigerator out of the because she does tell the police what's going on mm-hmm. and they're, they're getting this refrigerator where the foot came out of they're they're lifting it up on like a forklift and then it opens up and all the body parts dump on all the other cops Jeez. which is awesome because the cops <laughs> are just kind of dopey you know so it's one of those kids cases where the kids are going to be you know handle it better than the adults and, and i'm in all for right. it i dig it so yeah okay. jill, jill and the killers from oni from Give it so a shot. this is
0: probably one of those where the double size issue helped out in regards to world building, because you were able to pace it out. And since yeah. you have 40 pages instead of 20, or 22 pages, then it's not rushed. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it makes yeah, sense. It so, weird. yeah. And we spoke about that, you know, in detail last year, we were like, you know what, if, if you're going to do something brand new out of a genre that most people don't get or aren't into, then, you know, can you get it across in 22 pages? Um, and make it enticing. for I'm, people. I'm pretty sure you can. But I think if you allow yourself those extra 20 pages to kind of breathe and set up, you know, the scenario and set up the world, um, it just works in your favor. Yeah. So I think if the first issue is an oversized issue at $6.99 and then subsequent issues are $3.99 for you know, a regular size issue, I think that works, mm-hmm. um, especially if you can grab people. So and it sounds like they grabbed you. Yeah, um, I really like it. Um, in all the right places. Um, all right, cool. So you got that. Jill and the Killers from Only Press. Check that out. All right, moving on to me. All right. Ooh, <laughs> all right, so if you don't know, Dynamite has been on this kick uh, with licenses from Disney. Uh, right now they have their whole Disney Villains line, which includes, you know, Hades, Cruella, uh, Mufasa. Not Mufasa, his brother. Um, Scar. Scar, yeah. Uh, and then a bunch more that are you know, uh, coming down a line. I think in this one, there's an ad actually for Hercules. So I think there's a hero's line coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it's just weird that it's coming from Dynamite. I, just, I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> because we've just been used to looking at boobies all the time. Uh, just pages and pages of boobies. But yeah, so big fan of Lilo and Stitch when it first came out in the movies. Um, then I even went to um, or Disney and did the ride. Uh, that they had, which was really super cool. Uh, I think the whole story behind, you know, Experiment 626 um, and uh, Lilo that you see here, was just absolutely great. Just having this little kid, bond with this alien, uh, fall in love and being chased. And, um, you know, it's all about Ohana, so family and stuff like that. Uh, so I said, you know what, let me, let me give this a shot because I did enjoy the movie. And I was like, you know what, the movie did a lot in regards to, you know, uh, I guess origin, uh what the story was going to be about and then sort of like whatever was in that universe like literally because they were from another planet um, so if you don't know the original story you've got <coughs> stitch <coughs> oh, excuse me it was actually experiment 626 uh created by this doctor i think his name is Jumba something i uh, created him to be just an absolute menace and indestructible on top of that so wherever he went all he was just made to do was just destroy everything and on top of that, he was indestructible. The only weakness that he had, do you remember what it was, John?
1: I, I actually never seen it, so
0: you son oh, of a. Bitch. Everything
1: I know about Lilo and Stitch, I know from you right oh now.
0: My God, you're horrible. So yes, <laughs> he could not swim. So if he went into water, he would just sink. Uh, but he wouldn't die because he's indestructible. He just keep choking to death, um, <laughs> and I carried him right back. So yeah, mortified. Um, yeah, so he's they, like uh, a highlander. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there can only be one. Uh, so yeah, so the whole, you know, the entail, the the, the galactic uh, empire, or whatever, is trying to find him, and um, he lands on Earth and finds uh, Lilo, who actually buys him for two bucks um, at a pet shelter, which is hysterical. Um, and she's sort of like an outcast herself um, with everyone. So, you know, finding him and, and having these two outcasts, you know, get to know each other. And, you know, it wasn't like love at first sight because he really destroyed her. Um, and then he she actually taught him something about humanity and, and family. And that's what kind of like turned the tides. And um, yeah, just a really overall great movie. Um, they went at the end. So basically what this does is expand the world of Lilo and Stitch, which I think is great. Um, you basically have this um, a robot sort of like, we're going to call him an enemy because that's what he's going to end up being um, called Sovereign. And he has sort of like these two shark robot, freaking bodyguards. And basically what he's trying to do is find this experiment 626 so that I guess he can take whatever destruction DNA and put it into the robots so they can become just like uh, um, Stitch and then start to go and, and, and challenge the Galactic Empire because he wants to take over, I guess, the universe or whatever it is. So they end up going to where the old doctor's place was. Um, and then from there, they, they find out that he's actually on Earth. And then they head over to Earth. And then you have this whole little like um, scenario between Lilo, Stitch, um, the alien that came that was originally supposed to capture um, Stitch, and a doctor. They're playing these water balloon fights and stuff like that. And it kind of just sets up sort of like how they're like family now and how the sisters always wear it all the time. And um, and then there was like this FBI agent, which was, uh, what's his name? Um, I'm going to say Vince Vaughn, but that's incorrect. Vin, uh, Ving Um uh, Just big black dude. You could just hear it in his voice um, as the FBI agent who is actually uh, monitoring um, the sister and knowing that that was an alien and whatever sued from there. Um, But he ended up becoming part of the family at the end of the movie as well. Uh, So, yeah, so basically you have these aliens land. um, They're trying to take stitch and Lilo's hopping in there. Um, And then so the only part that I got confused at, and I had to go back over and over because it actually takes place in Hawaii first. Um, So there's like a little caption. Um, You go from Planet Turo, which is where the Sovereign guy is at. um, And then you go to Hawaii. Uh, which is Kauai, so they're on the island of Kauai. And it has it on the top, where the place is, right there. Look at that, big, <laughs> Kauai. And at the very end of this, when they take um, Stitch, they bring him up into space. But he kind of escapes and then jumps out of the spaceship um, and doesn't land back in um, Kauai. He lands in some city. And you can tell because the buildings are different um, in that respect. And then I missed the fact that um, Lilo had gotten into a a spaceship herself, which is the alien spaceships from the doctor and the other guy. And they all got in there to go and track uh, Stitch um, in the city. And the only reason why I knew that they was in the city is at the very end of this, it kind of sets up the Manhattan Comic Con kind of (laughs) thing. So they're supposedly supposed to be in New York. So after he he, he, um, jumped out of the spaceship... That's where he landed. And there wasn't anything on top in regards to where the location was. So that's where I got confused. Because the coloring and, and sort of like the, the layouts are, are really similar across. Um, so the whole color palette, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful looking book. Um, and it's it kind of reminds me of the animation style that they used yeah. for the movie, which is, is great. Um, this was written by Greg Pack, who's written a ton of stuff for the big two, even his own independent stuff. Um, I read the the John Wick series. I think it was a five issue mini series uh, that was pretty cool. And then I think he had a run on Vader as well that I read that was pretty cool. Um, as far as the artist, I'm gonna say that's Julia yeah. Giacomino because I Very was gonna good. say Giulia. But that probably is not right. Sorry <laughs> to butchered your name, Julia. Uh, and then letters by Jeff Uh And then a really cool cover by uh, Joshua Middleton. Like, he does some really great stuff. Yeah. And his art is, you know, it's funny because he could do really good style. Like, like sort of like an animator. He could do, like, a painter style. He had a really uh, solid run on these Wonder Woman covers that were just absolutely beautiful. Um, and then, funny, uh, development editor and cultural consultant uh, Moana McAdams. Uh, so i guess there's some um, polynesian um stuff in there so i guess uh the consultant came in and handy on that and the package editor is nate cosby um yeah you know what to expand the world on on lilo and stitch i think was really cool solid i'm pretty sure it's going to be a mini so if they go along this way with you know uh continue with the story i think i'm going to hang on board with it um because uh i mean i really enjoyed the movie and being able to expand that world um i i, I kind of saw the challenge of what it would be because the movie ended sort of like happily. Like what are you gonna do from there? So having that antagonist, uh protagonist actually, um, is a really cool idea. So yeah, if you're a fan of Lilo Stitch, check it out. If you have kids, they'll they'll absolutely love it. Um I'm just a big kid, so I love it.
1: <laughs> I'm right, just a cool. child I'm a childless <laughs> weirdo. So uh I think weirdo. I think the last Disney movie I actually took it upon myself to go see by myself was Tarzan. For the obvious reason,
0: the Phil Wait, what Collins. Was that
1: ninety something? The Phil Collins music? Uh, ninety nine. Uh, <laughs> no, I know I didn't go for the Phil Collins. I went. Who That's my a quarter for of things? a century. That's the last time I went to see a Disney movie by myself. I don't know if I've seen a. What do we see? We saw the Tim Burton Cinderella uh, live action. I don't know that, that. The one with Johnny that... Depp. Cinderella. Was it Cinderella? No, not Cinderella. What was the uh, the uh, Alice in Wonderland? Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. sorry, blonde, blonde Disney character that goes on an adventure. Uh... Close. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we saw that one in the theater, me and my wife. But uh, no, I just you know what? I just um, I, I, even as a kid, I was a little issue on the Disney stuff. I loved loved Peter Pan, Legend Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I always thought Donald was cool, even though he didn't wear pants. Uh, but yeah, I was never really a so, Disney kid
0: I have a girl, so I've seen every single one of the Disney movies so <laughs> My I'm wife really loves The
1: Haunted Mansion The Haunted Mansion is her absolute favorite thing And I've seen both of those movies Those live action movies Wait, and- so you saw the recent one? We did watch the recent one, yeah
0: uh, And she liked it?
1: It was good, it was, we liked it, it Okay, was all right. let, Let's move on Next book, please. If you like Owen Wilson, going <laughs> wow. There's no, ghosts. It's wow. all about Rosario Dawson. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Just I'm not not a big Disney guy, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad you are. I really yeah.
0: Am. It's all good. <laughs> all right, last book. Here we go.
1: Okay, this is the book that I was really looking forward to, and a lot of other people were too, when it was announced at New York Comic Con. Uh, it is from Image, uh, and it's, the imprint is Mad Solar, and it is Kid Cuddy Presents moon man mm-hmm. so, but for those who may or may not know kid cuddy is a hip-hop artist uh one of the, the the few that i uh newer ones or modern ones that i happen to like he has an album called man on the moon which i think is actually quite brilliant there's a very good musical quality to that it's not just lyrical rhymes Round control <laughs> that's oh, all right and uh so this is actually uh the script is uh Credited to his 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 given names Scott Miscuti and Kyle Higgins. Kyle Higgins is the writer of Radiant Black and is also mm-hmm. one of the writers on the Deep Cut six issue uh, miniseries chronicling uh, jazz in America. Uh, it is illustrated by Marco Locati, colored by Igor Monti, lettered by the uh, you know the ubiquitous Hassan Otsmani Alahu, mm. uh, edited by Michael Bu. Boosatil, uh, and then production credit to Wesley Griffith. Uh so um so this is something that I I, I liked it. It Uh-oh. is a, there was a it, is, there. it is a double-sized first issue at $3.99, so that's really cool. There is definitely Okay, this is definitely Scott Mascudi's first comic that he's ever written.
0: You can tell <laughs> he's a
1: fan. And uh, you could also tell that Kyle Higgins was there to support and not do any of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. So you basically have two really great characters uh, that, you're, that you're following. This uh, guy named Ramon and his younger brother, Micah. Uh, Ramon is an astronaut who is on a, a, a mission to go back to the moon after 50 years, uh, which is crazy because that's – really what we're working on again right now. And uh, in, in the real world, mm-hmm. not you and I, just, just NASA. In general. And um, and so, uh, so something happens to the four of them uh, where it is stated, as far as they're concerned, they just went off the grid, off the radar, off of everything for about seven minutes. Hmm. But there's about, there's a throwaway line in the middle of the book that they were actually gone for years and it's just, and it's one of those things where it's just thrown out there, but it's never really expanded on. Mm. And there's a couple of like little beats and moments in here where, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this in your reading, but there, in a first issue, things kind of happen very fast or establishing. And so there's, you know, certain beats that come through. Uh, sometimes they're a little abrupt. And then mm. it's like in the second or third issue, they'll kind of like go back and talk about it to sort of clarify, I, mm. I, you know, Sometimes they can use the second or third issue to sort of clean up some of the rushed in the first just to get the story moving. And I get that. So I'm kind of hoping that's what we're going to see here uh, because I thought that was a very important plot point uh, if that's the case, because it's the younger brother saying it to the older brother. And and it, it, to me, it wasn't clear was, were, are they ac- were they actually, they thought they were gone for seven minutes, but they were actually missing for years? Mm. Or is his brother talking about the fact that because of the years of training and the mission and then, you know, being, having to come back and and debrief for four weeks that all told Ramon hasn't been in Micah's life for years. So I don't know if that was because it was in an argument that they were having. So right. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm hoping for a little more clarif- clarification on that because everybody else kind of doesn't kind of blows over that. No one else really brings that up. Um, So basically after the mission, like I said, they're isolated. They kind of have to go through a whole debriefing before they're allowed to go back. So Ramon goes back home, uh, to, to his brother, Micah, their parents are dead. Uh, and Micah is going to a, um, a protest against the Janus company or the Janus company. Uh, and this is actually the company that sent these astronauts into, in, you know, to the moon and, and, and caused these problems. So, uh, so that court sort of has them butt heads, right? Ramon and Micah. And then while Micah is at the protest, the protest turns violent. Ramon is trying to reach him, he can't, and in a fit of desperation, Ramon puts on a spacesuit and basically dive bombs into the the, the protest and fights the cops to keep them away from the protesters and it is a really cool amazing sequence with uh just some amazing colors and design and a lot of kinetic energy Mm -hmm. right but Mm -hmm. now this is what we're talking about here the colors are great and there's a few of these there's some really gorgeous two-page spreads throughout this with the color work is just amazing and fantastic but because of the line style, it kind of muddies the detail mm. on the park. and the transition from him being like, I gotta go do something, right? Mm-hmm. To being there is very abrupt. Mm. So that was like a big hang up for me. I said, wow, this really happened so fast and it is so intense, but I can I'm having a tough time really telling, you know, exactly what's going on. Um, so the dialogue is very helpful, especially in the next scene to sort of explain that because Mike is like, you know, you can fly. How can you fly? And, and, and Ramon's like, well, it's not really flying. It's more like I just shift, you know, from one space (laughs) to another. And I'm like, okay, that helps, you know? So, um, so I thought it was a really, really good setup. It's a really, really good hook. Uh, really, really cool, um, relatable characters with Ramon and Micah. Um, and I really kind of want to see where this goes because I think, uh, you know, uh, Kid Cuddy, Scott Muscuti is a really good, you know, artist and he loves this stuff and it really mm. shows in the book uh and you're really kind of taken in by ramon's journey uh especially as, as at the end of the book when he's just standing outside his house just shouting to the stars like what did you do to me what do you want from me uh mm. i thought it was a really cool sort of existential moment um that cool. we all sort of go through right so i'm going to really give this a, a high recommendation moon man number one from image comics uh it is a four issue mini-series. Uh there's also apparently there's a soundtrack that Kid Cuddy no, to go one. with the content. I know yep. uh, you are not a big fan with that. I, I like that though. But um I didn't I did I just read it without the soundtrack, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna try and give it another reread with the soundtrack just to yeah, see because
0: uh, I think what was uh We Live was one of the first ones to do that, and then there was yeah. uh the other one with the kids in a record shop at the post office. Uh what's the furthest place from here? Um the other one. The radio things, apocalypse one things.
1: that 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 yeah, never's gonna, finish out? Yeah, that, that's it, gonna that. finish out, yeah. That it's not all gonna right, finish out, yes. All right, so
0: two quick things one, BMD nerd, what he said, wait, kid Cuddy, yes, that kid Cuddy, <laughs> yes. Um, and then two, all right, so if we're looking at because he did sigh, when you sigh, I you know something's up. Um, and so we have somebody who's actually a fan, and, and one of the things that people need to understand is that we'll, we'll never shit on anything, right? Yeah. Um, because as creators, we know the whole process, um, of, of, of what it takes to actually produce a book from the writing to the drawing, to the laying out, uh, to getting it out there. Um, And sometimes when you have a vision in your head, um, it can land. um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it it, it could be a miss. And with everything that we read, oftentimes, you know, when we read people who are already well-versed in the comic universe, that's sort of like that template already in our head. And then all of a sudden we get somebody who's brand new to it, We can see certain beats are missing or certain things that we're already used to. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think sometimes if somebody's trying to shake things up, um, those beats that are missing could be something different that they're Mm. trying to accomplish. Um, Or it could just be beats are missing um, in our respects. So if it's something that kind of like takes you out of it or you have to flip back and forth on a page. And this is just me thinking out loud because, you know, as somebody who wants to, who enjoys the process of making comics. Um, the last thing I want somebody to do is flip through four pages of trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, <laughs> in that respect, so in that sense, um, because they're new to this, uh, they're a fan of this. Um, do you feel like it it took you out of it, or do you feel like it was just something different than what you used to reading?
1: Uh, no, it definitely didn't take me out of it. In fact, it, it, it caused me to pay more attention, right? Mm-hmm. And to really focus and to really just dive into that, that the gorgeous artwork, right? Um, and I think it's more of a case of, um, you know, again, trial and error and trying to find your rhythm as a storyteller. Because mm-hmm. you have, a, you because you know, the music he does is storytelling, and it's a specific rhythm. And comics is a different rhythm. And so I think it's trying to find that. And, you know, and I have to say that as far as the pacing uh, of the story and, and my, the the flow, as I was reading it, this was a lot easier as of a flow to get into that, that this, this was sort of Jill was a little bit of a stutter for me because of all the slang that was put in Um, uh this for me was just there was just a couple abrupt transitions which happens in comics all the time right right. so so for me it was a situation where this had extra pages Mm -hmm. and it used it to give room to breathe this had extra pages and it used it to just power through the narrative does that make sense? Yep, yep. This wanted to get to a certain point by the end of the first issue, uh, whereas this wanted to lay out a lot of the groundwork and the clues, right? So they're two very different stories. Right. This reminds me a lot of something like um Grant Morrison's uh Final Crisis. Okay. Uh fi- Grant Morrison gave an interview about Final Crisis really quick where he said um I cared less about the connecting threads and more about the big moments.
0: Mm. And it shows mm. in
1: that work. That there's there, there, there's the big moments are fantastic, but the things between the big moments, he's just, I just gotta get through it. I wanna get to the big moment. And this is a this is a book of big moments. Um, but that being said, some of the choir moments, the relationship between Micah and Ramon, uh Ramon's relationship with the other astronauts, those did also get to shine through and were high points as well as of the book.
0: Okay. All right. So then definitely worth a read, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. All right.
0: So Moon Man from Image Comics. Check it out. All right. So there you go. You have it. you have your three books. You got Jill and the Killers from Oni Press. You've got Lilo and Stitch, believe it or not, from Dynamite Comics. Uh, and then you've got yourself Moon Man from Image Comics um, off of there. So just uh, one last uh, mention. Um, our campaign did go live today. So if you want to check it out, see what's on there. Um, show some love and support, go to amazingactioncomics.com and there'll be a link on there that takes you right to the campaign itself. Um, as always, if you like what you're hearing, just click subscribe to the podcast. Better yet, tell 100 of your friends so they can come and enjoy it as well. Um, if you're a creator and want to come on to the show or you just want to talk about comics, uh, amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast, fill out the form. Uh, John and I would love to have you on. We're actually lining up some guests now. I think we have about two or three coming up. So probably towards the middle of February, end of February, uh, you'll start to see those kick in. Uh, make sure that you stay up to date on everything that we got going on at AmazingActionComments.com because Red Hyena uh, is also coming out very shortly. And we're really excited about that. Uh, it's a second um, epic journey, which is really, really cool. And Julian Durber, who's based out of the UK, just so solid man i mean he's grown as an artist in regards to just Mm. not just his line work but just you know his panel layouts and stuff like that so really excited for that to to come your way as well uh make sure that you always please 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 support your local comic shops because without them we would not be doing what we're doing today and we would not be able to read the stuff that we love to read uh john where do you get your comics from
1: well, I get my comics at The Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And I got to say something, man. Uh, we really go out of our way to make sure that we have these books for people uh, Moon Man, definitely the demand kind of hit us by surprise. Uh, so we definitely uh, did not have enough going into Wednesday uh, as of Tuesday, but boy, Len was on it. He got enough copies for the shelf so that when we opened on Wednesday, we had them and people were snapping them up. So that's one of the great things about your local comic shop. They will listen to you and they will respond and they will make sure that you are satisfied. So if you're not in uh, the New Jersey area, make sure you find your local, localist nearest comic shop and patronize them uh, because boy, local comic shops, they bust their ass every way every day to make sure that people have the uh, four color crack that they are craving.
0: Hell yes. Well, uh, you know, to leave you satisfied with a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, kiddos until next time. Well, until next week, uh, please be amazing. Stay amazing. And whatever you do, read something amazing.